This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampanato. This is the Stickblade Podcast. everybody welcome to another edition of the stick blade podcast it's your place for all things detroit red wings all things chicago blackhawks and news around the nhl on tonight's show it's going to be a little bit of a short one again the blackhawks and red wings are out of the postseason and the playoffs are heavily underway it's basically down to the final four teams now at this point so we're going to be doing a couple things on the hawks and wings news um the hawks mainly because the wings really have nothing going on this week and we're making up for that with blackhawks talk um on the Blackhawks side of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the fact that rumors have it that the Blackhawks are in on Jack Eichel, what that looks like from there and on a trade, and even just what does that mean for their club if they make that trade. Also, the sexual assault allegations that have came out, um, we're going to sort of dive into what exactly has been said. Nothing has officially came out in terms of you know court proceedings or anything like that, but it's out there, it's in the news, and you kind of have to talk about that because it's something that doesn't really get to go away now. Um, The wings really nothing to talk about except for the fact that maybe they might be in on high end defenseman, Seth Jones. Um, But other than that, nothing really on the wings news to talk about. I didn't know that. And then just, we're going to talk about the final four of the NHL because we're in the semifinals now. And I don't think anybody saw Montreal being here. I don't think anybody saw the New York Islanders being here. It, it's There's no rules match. anymore. It's chaos, and I love it. There are no rules. It just, it, it's a mishmash, and I want to talk about it because I think it's kind of fun that we're seeing just what should not have been our final four being here. Um, Guys, welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, that, that good, huh, David? <laughs> Please control your excitement for the fans. I've been working outside in the humid 100 degree index heat index uh, all day today. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm just frankly glad that my house is still standing. We uh, had some really bad storms yesterday. A whole tornado cut through around like 11 p.m. last night. Uh, So a lot of people were asleep already when the sirens started going off. Hmm. It was a surprise tornado? It was a surprise tornado. We knew it was going to storm last night, but we didn't know that like a tornado was coming and it came and it was one of the most devastating tornadoes actually that I've seen in our area in since I've been alive. Actually it's so crazy because uh, my dad lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, Dude, it was um, terrible up here yesterday. Was it really? Yeah. And uh, they like same thing. Everyone's bad, but they didn't have a storm. There was no sirens. They just woke up and like some houses were like smashed up and old church was smashed up. That's terrifying. Tornado tornado came through and I'm like, um, what? Yeah, no, we, we spent some, we, we hung out in the basement, uh, till about midnight 30 and, uh, called it a day at that point. Everything had passed. Luckily we were good. I know some people that weren't so lucky. And so I'm thinking of all them and yeah, natural disasters, man. I nature is scary. Nature is scary. Speaking, I don't trust it. All right. So speaking of natural disasters, <laughs> I, I kind of want to just get this topic out of the way. The disaster yeah. that is the sexual assault allegations that have come out 
about the Blackhawks organization. There's a lot to dive into here. Um, for anybody who hasn't been following, basically, I believe it was a video coach from the Blackhawks. Yes, was, video analysis coach. He was basically accused of uh, sexual assault. And that on its own is already terrible. But the story gets worse. Again, r- this is not fact, not legal fact that has came out. But again, we're talking these allegations are the reports have been allegations. So it's kind of a big allegation to throw someone's way. But allegations, the upper management knew about this, kept silent, and then gave recommendations on this person when they left. This is a bad look on so many levels. Uh, This is a nightmare scenario for any organization. I, again, I work in HR as my day job. This is a nightmare scenario when, whether it's from a PR standpoint, from a human decency standpoint, these are, these are very serious allegations that the Blackhawks as an organization have to reckon with and have to get sorted out, whether it's, you know, whatever happens with that, they have to figure that out. And it gets, we talked about this a little bit, it gets progressively worse as you go down the line, the timeline, you know, <clears throat> you've got the two players who wish to remain anonymous that have launched the allegations that the mental, they're not the mental, they reported to the mental skills coach, but a video coach sexually assaulted, sexually harassed them, uh, which on its own is a terrible situation, but it is also indicative of a hockey culture that we are aware of and people are working to fix. Dan Carcillo is an outspoken advocate for fixing a lot of these hazing and abuse, uh, the, the hazing and abuse that runs rampant in a lot of these organizations. Uh, but then you take it a step further and you find out in allegation, again, alleged that it was then reported to the mental skills coach who then reported it to McDonough, Bowman, McIsaac, the biggest big shots of the organization, second only to Rocky Wirtz. And they didn't just stay silent. They buried it. it. Allegedly. Again, I need to keep repeating this. We are operating as this is alleged information, uh, but this is what has been put forward. And so that on its own, again, a terrible situation that is management and people that you trust to represent your interests, burying a situation because it's inconvenient PR. It's a bad story. We're in the middle of the famous 2010 cup run, but then you go even a step further and it really becomes the worst of a terrible situation where they not only didn't let go of the video coach, but they also gave a positive recommendation for him to go work at uh, Michigan. Was it Michigan university or Michigan state? Do you irrelevant? Yeah, it doesn't matter, but he then it was a college and this person did go on to assault a college student. And this is when you put a to B to C, if this comes out as true, if this, if everything comes out and in a court of law, they say, yeah, this is all here. This is fact. 
there is no salvaging this for anyone in that anyone in those management positions the the organization has to let them go if that happens there is no PR fix for something like that. There, there's, there's no way. I mean, you could try and spin it that we've already let go of John McDonough. We became aware, you know, Rocky Wirtz might never, it may have never gotten up to him. It might've been insulated at that level. But once it is brought to light, you need to launch your own investigations. You need to make sure that everyone is above the level. Uh, Scott Powers and Mark Lazarus put together a fantastic article in The Athletic breaking down the step-by-steps and the timeline. And they asked a very important question of, this all happened during the 2010 cup run, the beginning really of the Blackhawks dynasty in the modern era. Can you separate the on ice success and glory of the organization and this horrible dark side, if it comes to truth? And I guess that's the thing that we're all, me as like a fan, I have to reckon with. And I think where I'm at right now, you sort of live in these two worlds of, well, the players, and thank God, none of this has come out saying anything about Joe Quinville. In fact, players like Dan Carcillo have often come out and been like, Joe Quinville is one of the all-time kindest and like best coaches as a human being I've ever had. So like, thank God for that. But you can have the success that the Blackhawks players and the coaching staff that's on the ice with them, they went on and went on to do and also acknowledge that the Blackhawks as an organization and a business now have a tarnished legacy and a mark that's always going to be connected to that. It doesn't negate, I don't think it'll negate the cup run and the success of the team, but I think the Blackhawks have thrived a long time as a squeaky clean organization, a strong, you know, family organization. And this seriously hurts that to a point where this isn't just a PR fix. This is a serious reckoning that you've got some of your top people. I mean, it's, it's, it's no different than the me too movement. You've got incredibly powerful people that either, you know, abuse their position or used their position to protect people that abused others there's no getting out of this. The only way out of it is acknowledging and moving through it. So first off, nothing takes away from what the players did. No, to, I, I, I agree with that. Nothing at no. all. It Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tays, Patrick Shark, Nicholas Jalmerson, those guys, they put in the work. Nothing tarnishes what they've done. But if this all comes out to be like true, heads have got to roll. I just, there's no way you can have this stuff come out. And again, I'm saying if it's all true, right, right, and have nothing happen here, there are going to be such big organizational changes in the Blackhawks if this is actually legit. Yeah. We could that's, see a cleaning house of the front office staff. That's my biggest fear is that this goes through and it either settles and goes away and no one ever really resolves it. And I, I, I would feel very gross about that. Uh, or things do come to light. It does come true or prove true in court. 
and people don't get let go. I, people get like promoted up or like promoted out and, you know, early retirement, that sort of stuff. Like I would feel twice as gross about that. I don't know. Like they owe a lot to their, the fans and the people and to do right by these human beings that they hurt. Uh, allegedly, I, I, it's a terrible situation. Because it's, even now, now that things have been put out there, it, it, it's a terrible situation because regardless, the black, it is on the organization now to solve this, frankly. Yes. We keep saying allegedly, of course, because we don't know the full story. But in situations like this, you always want to lean towards the victim, especially when it's not one, but two players. Exactly. That forward, and that the person that was responsible went to another place and was got had gotten in trouble again. So where it's confirmed, where it's confirmed, the writing right there is on the wall. It, it's case. not, it's not a good timeline and it's not a good connection of dots. I, I don't feel good about it. Nope. Uh, I, I don't feel confident in this one. Uh, there's things in the past where I'm like, okay, let's see how this plays out because I, there's a lot of, there's, I'm cure. I'm going to continue to follow this story, uh, partly because I want to see the truth, and partly because I want to see how the organization responds. Um, Tim, since I haven't followed it as much as you have, being the Wings fan, to yeah. the Blackhawks fan, has Lazarus or Powers from the Athletic had anything to say about it that you've seen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they're doing a really good job because this kid. This originally came out like a month or so ago as the initial allegations before everything kept getting worse. It's, it's gotten worse by the week, which really isn't a good sign. Uh, but yeah. people were saying like, hey, why aren't you reporting on this? Other people are coming out with things. And Mark Lazarus just like a week ago was like, hey, we're putting something together. We are doing our due diligence. This is the kind of story that you do not rush. Yep. This is the kind sure. of thing where you check your sources, you make sure you know what you're doing, you get things right, because you cannot screw this up. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the crazy thing with media all the time. You see it in sports well, and everything. Everyone wants to be first. Everyone yep. wants to break the story. And it is a sacri- Again, the people deserve a right to know 100% every time. Yep. But you want to make sure it's done right and that you break the story with all the pieces or at least as many pieces as like you legitimately can. Uh, so when uh, Lazarus and Powers released that story last week, I thought it was a really nice, there weren't a lot of opinions in it. It was very true journalism of we are, perf- this is the information at hand. This is what it's looking like at this point. This is, what it would mean this is the implication of like if this is true this is what would have to happen you know things like that uh i i i always hate like a situation like this plugging something but like if you have a subscription to the athletic give it a read it's a very good breakdown uh of a very bad situation so and again it's hard like i'm a fan i've grown up a fan of the blackhawks and stuff like that and like i still feel like I can be a fan of the team. You know, this wouldn't be the first organization that like I've thought was gross, but also like liked the people, uh, like, like the players, but 
I really need the organization to yeah. not screw this up. And that's what sucks. Like you see things with certain organizations where you want to support the team still. Like, um, for example, the Detroit Lions are owned by the Ford family. Gerald Ford has a history with being a Nazi sympathizer and anti-Semitic stuff. There's a member of the Ford family currently who's been, who has donated monies to organizations that have had anti-Semitic ties and being a a Jewish person that's kind of hurtful, but right. um, I still want to support my lions. You know, so, somebody, I, I saw somebody make a comment about like the Cubs because the Ricketts have not a great reputation uh, that you're not a fan of a team because of its owners. A oh, lot of owners sure. of sports organizations are kind of gross people and like not great folk. Uh, not saying anyone in general, not trying to slander anybody. They're giant, they're very wealthy people. And there's a lot of times where there's a lot more skeletons in the closet. Uh mm. That said, yes, I don't root for the Blackhawks because I root for the Wurtzes. I, I thought Dollar Bill Wurtz was a terrible human being. Uh, I mean, Jordan, at least with us, we have the Illiches, and we've seen the good that the Illich family's done. Like, Mike Illich paid Rosa Parks rent for, like, the last 10, 20 years of her I love life. that. Like, at least we have that good organization. <laughs> but, like, there comes a point in time when it, it is hard to – separate and i think i think i can i can separate it from the 2010 cup run if if the organization doesn't bungle or try to hide or try to pr spin their way out of this now i have another question for you tim please um if these allegations like we said it's getting worse and worse by the week man i mean if all sides point to yes could you see players like Kane and Taves making a statement and like kind of taking a stand against the ownership. That's such a like tricky situation. That's what I'm wondering. You know what? I think that there are players that would, I think if this was the NBA or the NFL or even the MLB, we would see it. I would say with confidence, we would see it. Hockey is still very much that, they don't really want to oh, talk about it. They, they tow the company line, and if they can't say anything positive, they don't say anything. That's just, again, it's part of that hockey culture that, like, we're tr- – not we, as in what am I doing? But, like, th- people are trying to, like, fix and adjust as, like, being more outspoken about things. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we saw um, during the election season – um, the Atlanta Dream, the WNBA team, kind yeah. of wear the shirts and basically tell them. Uh, Kelly Leffler, the former senator of Georgia, they, her, she owns the team, or partially owns. I don't know what it was, but they basically were speaking out against her, like we want you out. The things you say and the things you do do not fit what we want for our team. So I, I, yeah, I don't see NHL players doing it because not not a lot of them are American. Well, and even in this situation, I just think there's a lot of NHL players where it is drilled into them and conditioned in them as kids that you don't show too much personality and you don't, it's, it's the, the team, it's Mm -hmm. the crest on the front, not the name on the back as to quote letter Kenny. Uh, But that's really how a lot of hockey players carry themselves. Mm -hmm. And I just... I, I also think it's a terrible position to put the players in. Oh, for to, sure. 
stand up to, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just because nobody wins in that situation. I, I think it all falls on the organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had, I think Taves, what was Taves a big speaker out of proponent for a couple of years ago? I mean, climate change. Climate change. Okay. Yeah. And he sort of got, land, and again, people are terrible. They, they lambasted him and said, you know, stick to you know, playing hockey and stuff like that. God forbid you have an opinion in the world you live in uh, <laughs> yeah, on the suck. environment of all things. But Taze might, I, I think that in this situation, it's less about, you know, Americans, Canadians, you know, Russian, whatever, and more about, I don't know that, man, that's just an, that's an un. I, I again, if this all comes out, it's an unfair position to put the players in. That management put them in that situation potentially. Yep. I mean, I'll be honest. If a player like Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane comes out and condemns what management did here and is willing to, you know, quote oh, unquote, I, take the heat for a minute, yeah. I oh, feel like at that point the fan base is going to stand behind that player and be like, "Yep, ch- management changes need to happen 100%. right now." Yeah, there's things that people in our country kind of don't have an awful opinion about, and that's, you know, sexual assault allegations. People tend to, in our country, you know, I'm saying that with some positive hopes for people, that we tend to favor the victim. We tend to believe the victim and support the victim because... Like the the other thing for me on the situation is this, you know, you brought up... You know, again, Jonathan Taves, people telling him, you know, like, keep your opinion to yourself, like that sort of stuff. But this isn't a political issue. This isn't any sort of like a social issue. This is this, this, this is a human right decency issue. Yep. Yeah. And I think you'd have a very hard time finding anybody, anybody who's like, yeah, sexual assault, perfectly fine. No big deal. I uh, know. Don't don't read Twitter comments and Facebook comments then because people are absolutely awful. Don't go to parlor. <laughs> yeah, they would they would let me on parlor, honestly. They they yeah. they'd smell my uh <laughs> my my social beliefs a mile away. Uh but no, but seriously, uh I've read again, Twitter can be a cesspool because your people are anonymous and make makes them feel big. Yep. Uh but uh, all, all I can say because We've been on. We we've covered everything that can be covered on this. Uh, realistically, before we start spinning into theories and whatnot, I just want to cover what's out there now, and that we, it would be us not taking the role that we've chosen as people who report on our teams seriously if we were to ignore something like this. And I think it's something that, as a fan, I have to reconcile with and figure out. And mm-hmm. I have an obligation to keep watching it even if it's uncomfortable uh and so we're gonna keep doing that and if there are updates we're gonna let people know and i i just brace for what's gonna happen yep i just i hope people do the right thing but we got here by people not doing the right thing Mm -hmm. we gotta hope that the right thing happens that's it like we're planning on continuing to report on this story as the like as it develops, whether that be positive or negative, and yep. you know, like I'll stand by it. Like if everything comes to light and this ends up being false, I'll say, you know, hey, these allegations were proven to be false. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case, just given the track record and sequence of events that we're looking at. But 
Either way, we're going to continue reporting on this as it develops because this is something that's not it's not something you swipe under the rug or you, you give don't it ignore two it because it's uncomfortable. Out. You have to kind of, you know, push yourself through that uncomfortable period. Yep. Um, yeah. Score update of the uh, hockey yeah. you know, yeah. playoffs. Tampa Bay is up 3 nothing. I mean, the Islanders were up by a lot the last game. This is going to be just – I think it's going to go game it, seven. It's going to seven games. I, I would I hope that it goes to seven games because, man, I get that the Islanders get slammed for playing boring hockey, but I don't understand how hockey could be boring when you are holding your own against the offensive juggernaut, former Stanley Cup champs that are the Lightning. You, you play trap game all day long. It ain't yeah. boring. You're – it's great boring hockey chance to win the cup boring hockey i mean i mean i would well, trade boring hockey if we're going to be in the family cup oh race. my god yeah absolutely if i was fucking watching the red wings and like going <laughs> oh i would play the trap but we're gonna win the cup we're gonna win the cup like it's yeah. worth it yeah no i um, love and honestly the islanders goaltending like look vasileski is better than both varlamov and sorokin but Varlamov and Sorokin having that combination mm-hmm. is incredibly valuable. It's like yeah. having a one uh, A and one B, kind of like Detroit had this season. Kind like of like Vegas them. has right now. Yeah, it's almost like if you Not have two, Leonard. you got two starter per caliber goaltenders, you're kind of gonna do well. All right. I think that's how where the NFL, the NHL is going. I think you the days of relying on a Vassal. I mean, if you have a Vasileski, if you have a Carey Price, awesome. That said, if you have a Carey Price and then an AHL caliber backup, not that Josh Allen. I mean, what's what's a, whatever the the Allen that uh, Jake Allen. Jake that's Allen. it. Uh, I think Josh Allen's a football player. Uh, yeah, Jake Allen bills. is a one B. Like he's a step above backup. He's like a fringe starter. Uh, but Carey Price has been run into the ground before mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't have a quality backup. I think you've got to have two people that could be starters yep. moving forward. Yeah, I um, mean, and like you look at the rest of the NHL, and that's the way they're uh, moving. That that is how the NHL is moving. You know, you've got a whole bunch of people or a whole bunch of teams, and you either have the superstar who's getting you know eight, nine, ten million dollars. Or you've got the starter who's making like five or six, and then the friend, or not, not even really fringe starter, but like the one B, so to speak, yeah. who's making like three or four, and you're about in the same spot. The only difference is when the stupor, or when the superstar isn't pulling their weight, your team is SOL. Or when you have an opportunity like Vegas has, where like Flurry faltered a little bit, hey, we can change it up and put Leonard in yep. because they're both goaltenders that 90% of the league would love to have as their one a, uh, they can switch that up. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I know we didn't have much wings news, but I know we didn't have any, but there was two little pieces. <laughs> I thought of, um, awards voting Glenn Denning, I think received a few votes for the Selkie. I believe. Okay. I want to say it was that's very fair. And Zadina received a second place vote for the lady Bing. Mm-hmm. He didn't, I didn't realize he didn't take a single, and not a single there. one. That's remarkable. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that he didn't get more votes. I mean, 
he's on a bad Detroit team, so that doesn't help. But you don't see it's 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 unfortunate because you don't see teams that struggle but have players that kind of stand out in the stat line for those types of things get votes. Yes, if we had a guy going for the Rocket Richard trophy because he was just scoring more goals than everybody else, but the rest of the team sucked, yeah, that's the trophy they win because that is reflective of the goals they're scoring. But in terms of like defensive player of the defensive offensive player or most gentlemanly player, whatever, we're going to get overlooked by the teams that are doing better than us. And that's just the way it is. Like Matthew Stafford, um, this season, we went to the playoffs in I think 2011 through for over 5,000 yards. Not many quarterbacks have done that. And he's oh, freaking insane. Um, wasn't even considered for the MVP. Um, the other piece of, of uh, or actually, I want to move on to some brighter news after the, we're talking about the whole sexual assault allegations because well, I would well, like to actually cleanser. have like a happy yep. podcast. <laughs> um, we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, right? The Jack Eichel sweepstakes, the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. We've been talking about Eichel Watch for almost over a year now. I okay, At least so I have <laughs> rumor has it that the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be in on Jack Eichel trying to make it legitimately happen. Now, you can say there's weight to it, you can say there's not. If it's getting reported on, I'm going to assume there's at least some weight. And pe- I've seen people online saying, oh, well, every team's going to take a swing at him. Every team will, but every team taking a swing at him will not make the news. If sh- no, I want to ask you two questions, Tim. Do you think that the Hawks are actually serious about landing him? And then if they do... What What's do you expect like? them to have to give up? And are you comfortable <laughs> with them giving up? Because it, from all the reports I've been reading, it's a pretty hefty ask. Look, I like Ike. I I love Jackie Eichel. Uh, big fan. I, I think that he's been buried on Buffalo. I think that his best is yet to come. And I don't think it's going to come with Buffalo. And I think he could be a Matthews level player maybe not a McDavid, but a Matthews level player for sure uh, on a, a real team. That's not Buffalo. Um, so first, do I think real? I think that with the Blackhawks, even though every team is going to take a swing at him, I think the Blackhawks make it to that level above everybody in the sense of it fills a very valid need. We need another incredible guaranteed top or second line player. And that's Jack Eichel. He's a phenomenal forward. He's a center. Our team gets better with him. And there is no doubt in my mind about that. It's criminal how he's underrated in sort of the way that he is. And again, people are like, Oh, Eichel, Eichel's not as big of a deal. And I'm like, he's on Buffalo. He can't do everything Rescue. there. Gretzky would struggle on Buffalo. Yeah, on this current Buffalo and this current version of the NHL, he would. I think he would. Uh, that said, I I think that we're in it more than maybe some of the other teams that are definitely out or interested. I cannot imagine at this time that we are in the top five teams that would be actually going all in no holds barred, whatever the cost to get him because his cap hit hurts. I think that 
you know, because he's like making 10 or 10.5 or something like in the tens. It's in the tens. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, that's a tall ask given that we've got other people. Now I think that you, you ask what's the package look like? What do we got to get about? It starts with doc. I think realistically it starts with doc <clears throat> in the first round pick. I think that it includes at least one of our young defensemen. Um, and that could be, I think if we're giving up doc this year's first and next year's first, which I think is a realistic ask for Buffalo. I think then we give them, I'd like to give them Bodan, uh, maybe, or Kalnick that said, they'd probably want either Mitchell or Boquist and like, I'm still pretty high on Boquist. I know that people get on him, but he's only 20 years old and he's been holding his own in the NHL and looking more and more natural. And we see him growing every year. I think by 22, he's going to be a legitimate offensive defenseman. Um, That's my hot take. But realistically, I think that we could get away if other teams, if other teams bail out, if a lot of circumstances hit right, I think I, uh, for Eichel, we and probably something else like a pick or something like. There's never just for Eichel. Uh, pick. <laughs> I think it'll be Doc. This year's first, next year's first, next year's second, and a top, and at least a top five of our defensive prospects okay i think with a player the caliber of eichel and how he's not even scratching his prime yet he's their captain next to rasmus dowling he's their star 100 percent. i think it's gotta be an rgt rg3 trade up trade deal where it's just it's it's gonna hurt and you don't know how well it's gonna pay off hopefully he can make things work i mean He'll be the it'll be the one two of him and Tavares, not Tavares, Taves. Taves, yeah. Um, I think then, you're. I think you're hitting all the right notes, but I think it's going to be Boquist too, and not a one to five. I think it's going to be. It'll have to be either. Yeah, Doc Boquist one one two. Yeah, I mean realistically, probably. I hate it because uh, I again, I in the world of negotiating, I don't want to give up what I feel like is everything, even for something that I know is going to improve us. Because mm-hmm. nope. getting Eichel is going to be that good. I believe that. Uh, that said, he's coming off some neck stuff. Uh, we hope that he gets full range. Back. Necks are weird. Neck injuries are weird. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, and Taze is a big question mark. Mm-hmm. That said, we have Suter. We have Kurashev. We have guys that could theoretically slot into that second line strom is still with the team uh we could figure something out man a line of eichel the all-american line of eichel debrinket and kane does sound absolutely incredible though that sound great that said what's if left we get, after that yeah i mean we've got a lot of middle six guys mm-hmm. but i don't know <clears throat> And again, we would theoretically, here's the thing, because we would trade essentially Doc and uh, Doc and Eichel. 
we'd swap centers and then we'd give up now picks are overrated, even first round picks. And hopefully we're not going to be too high up. So you get rid of the first round picks. Okay. Whatever you call it a day, the year of a second round pick, it really will figure it out. We'll trade somebody and get a pick back. Uh, I know people are going to get on me for this, but I don't, I don't want to give up on Boquist. And it's so irrational in the sense of like, Eichel is a known commodity, even mm-hmm. where he's at now, where he's only going to go up. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I think a trade like that hurts more than it helps, but that's just me. I do too. Especially, I think that it's the wrong spot in our rebuild. Mm-hmm. I think if Eichel was the only thing missing and not defense too, then if we had Crawford three years ago, if we had uh, at least Jalmerson, if we had like some sort of like top three people on the blue line and Eichel was the piece, we were missing one more bona fide superstar forward and mm-hmm. we're in it to win it. That's when you make the Eichel trade. I think right now we would, we Eichel could get us into the playoffs with who we've got, but I, how far def- would you go? Our defense isn't mature yet. Our, our, the future of our defense isn't quite there yet to make that deep run. And our goaltending is still, I love Lincoln, mm-hmm. but if we only have Lincoln, we ran him into the ground this year and his product the last month showed, yep. uh, we have other places. I would rather see us go after Dougie Hamilton because I don't think Seth, Seth Jones is right for us. Uh, I'd rather see us go after Dougie Hamilton and figure out our forward core from what we have. All right. So <laughs> I'm going to throw <laughs> some names out here and I'm going to see if you guys can figure out what the, uh, the commonality uh, commonalities are between them. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> John Tavares. Eric Carlson and Jack Eichel. Anybody, any, any, any guesses? Because if not, I'm going to tell you they are what they are. All right. Struggle. Players Struggle who are either trade. in their time or are either in their prime or entering their prime. Players who are expensive and players who were basically a redundant piece on the team that they went to. All I, of the above. All yes, of the above. all of the above. Yes. So, suck it, Tim. Suck it, you suck. <laughs> they were also all captains. That too. But <laughs> <laughs> I was right too. <laughs> so let me explain why I absolutely hate this deal for Chicago. All right. It's no, not that good. I don't want to see Eichel on Chicago, and it's not that I, I think that it. he would yeah. not thrive. But a couple things with Chicago. One, their forward pool is already st- Stupid expensive. If you add Jack Eichel here, you're literally the Maple Leafs at that point. You are basically projecting about $40 million to your forward pool. And right now you have Kirby Doc on a cheap deal filling, assuming Jonathan Taves is healthy, second line sentiment roll. You trade Doc away. You have no cheap second line or even top line center in your system anymore. You trade Boquist away. You, You basically got rid of your cheap top pair defenseman of the future, who's going to be an offensive guy. If you trade away your draft pick from this year, you guys are picking what is 11th, I think this year. Yep. Now, again, first round draft picks can either boom or bust, but you know what? At the 11 spot, 
you could find a superstar or even a one B centerman kind of <sighs> kind of like Detroit did with Dylan Larkin at 15 a couple years ago, I, or like I, the Boston Bruins found superstar winger David Pasternak. Like those think, aren't yeah. valueless assets. I, I think Cole Silling, uh, Sillinger is arguably just from what I've read on him, the best pure goal scorer or sniper in this draft. And we could get him at 11. That's not a question to me. Uh, what we need is depth scoring. And that's somebody that we could use. I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't think that I, I love Eichel. And there is no part of me that says, well, we wouldn't be better with, of course we'd be better with Eichel, but I don't think the team makeup and where we're at makes sense to swing for Eichel and sacrifice the future. And like, that's the other thing. If Chicago really does pull a trade on Jack Eichel, they are in win now mode. Like that whole announcement of them shifts. being in a rebuild from what was it last season, a season before that is out the window. Season. They are in win now mode. And, and that said that that happened with uh, the New York Rangers. They said, Hey, we're in the middle of a re- we are doing a rebuild. And then they won the Panarin sweepstakes and they signed Panarin. And then they got Kako and Lafreniere. And all of a sudden it escalated the rebuild. It, Freaking cheaters. But <laughs> But that's the thing, like it can really boom or bust for them. And I don't know if I'd be comfortable taking a gamble on it, busting your rebuild that long. I I also, and this is such a, I really like the culture and the chemistry in the dressing room right now and bringing in, it's one thing if you bring somebody like when Ryan O'Reilly escaped from Buffalo and he went to the blues, that was a guy that just he wanted to be with a team that was excited to play hockey. And he said, like, I got re-energized there. Eichel is going from being a captain and the most vocal presence in the room coming to Chicago uh, with uh, all his career, all he's known is this Buffalo awfulness I don't know if he's the kind of player that, and again, it's a roll of the dice. You look at the person organization fit is he going to come into the room and absorb what the what the chemistry and the the culture of the room is or is he going to come in and exert onto the room and again we don't know but why roll the dice on that like the other thing is like the Hawks, I mean, yeah, they haven't been in the playoffs the past couple of years granted. And I know you guys are still coming out of those cup years, but, and I can't, I got to admit me and David as wings fans, our fan base is just as guilty of this, but we forgot what it's like to be in the dumpster. And if you trade for Eichel now, when that contract expires, when Taves and Kane and Keith are all gone and you have basically no one top line centerman of the future and Kirby doc, because you traded him away. You don't have a top pair defenseman and Adam Boquist because you traded him away. That's not a good time. (laughs) Um, No, no. Uh, if we swing for Eichel, it says we are going to get one more cup in the Kane Taze era of these current contracts and future be damned. Mm-hmm. It's essentially, are you going to ease into the wall or are you going to hit the wall? And if you trade for Eichel, you're saying I'm going to hit the wall. Just slap that wall right in its yeah. face. And, and we had just been 
starting to slide back up a little bit and it's incremental progress. I don't know. I, and I know there's going to be people, I feel like if Nick was here, he would raise some really good arguments for Jack Eichel and going for it. Uh, just from like what we've talked about a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I can't in good conscience say that where I'm at, where I think the team is at, I, I, I think that it wouldn't be the best use of what we have. I still think we should get a, a number one defenseman. Mm-hmm. Like that I think is Chicago's bigger piece to look at is getting a one defenseman. Now, if one comes available on the market and free agency, okay, then maybe you could realistically look at that because again, Chicago's contract situation this coming season or even next two or three seasons, you guys are actually sitting. Okay. If he Mm -hmm. doesn't price himself out of it, I think Dougie Hamilton is a good, because he's a left wing. He's a left wing. He's a left-handed defenseman. If I recall, uh, And that makes sense to us because we have a glut of right-handed defensemen. I don't know. I think that he would be a good addition to be our number one defenseman. Like, honestly, I think if Chicago is going to make a free agency move or trade it, it makes so much more sense to go for a one defenseman because again, Boquist, he looks to be good, but we don't know if he's going to be a number one. He might be a top pair guy if he continues to grow. But, but he's also not going to be your shut down. He's 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 an offensive defenseman at his mm-hmm. best. He's a Stanley Cup final. Eric Carlson mm-hmm. is best dream peak potential. But Stanley Cup final. Eric Carlson was Never an offensive happen. defenseman. You and- you need you need defensive defensemen and you need two way defensemen. Duncan Keith was a two way defenseman with a lot of offensive potential. You need somebody with Boquist to let him run wild and do his thing. And that's the thing. Going for Eichel does not solve that problem. It, it doesn't solve any of our, like, it, it, it provides us with a great player, but it doesn't fill any holes that we have. Nope. We have the same problems with or without Eichel. We just have Eichel. And mm-hmm. Toronto has shown us you can't just shoot your way to success. That's it. You can't. You can't just. <laughs> the, Tim, you're because you're absolutely correct. You brought up that we become Toronto basically if you know we get Eichel, then we have Kane, Tays, Eichel, uh, the Brinket. That's similar to the structure of uh, the Big Four. There. It's honestly about the and same. What does, leave, and what does it leave us with? We still have a bunch of questions on defense. We still have the, the lack of goaltending depth. I, and we're still a couple years away from the playoffs. Eh, it, it, does, it doesn't solve anything. I, I love Eichel to death, but it doesn't solve our problems. Um, speaking of players that don't solve any organizational problems, the, oh boy. the Red Wings <laughs> have been rumored, rumored to be in on Seth Jones for this upcoming season. I'm just going to start by saying it. No, please. No, no. you don't think no, because look, Detroit has got more cider in the pipeline. Gustav. Yeah. Gustav Lindstrom in the pipeline. We're going to assume that either Dennis Chalowski or Evgeny Smith or not Sveshkov, Giovanni Smith probably gets picked up by uh, Seattle, but assuming they take Chalowski, we've still got Philip Peronic as well. So, yeah. 
what does Seth Jones do for the wings in the short term? We're still not going to be a playoff team next year. And or we, I don't think we will anyway. And Seth Jones is going to be a UFA at the end of next season anyway. So people are talking about wanting to trade for Seth Jones. Why are you going to trade first or second round draft picks for a guy who probably a, is gone at the end of next season? Cause he doesn't want to hang around for a rebuild. He's just spent all this time in uh, Columbus tasting, just getting into the playoffs and like winning a round of the playoffs, but uh, no, he's a rental. Whoever gets him this year, he's either a rental or he's going to a team where they are missing one defenseman. Mm -hmm. They are one defenseman away from making it. And maybe Boston. God dang it. Stop it. I I, I know. I know. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But like maybe Boston. (laughs) Oh my God. You're a monster. I've been called worse. So, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that he... I don't think that he serves either of our organizations because we're not one defenseman away right now. Mm-mm. It, I don't know. I just, I don't like the move. I don't like the idea of the wings picking up Seth Jones this year. Again, doesn't solve any problems and can you trade him next or at the trade deadline? Sure. But I don't think you're going to get what you pay for him this year back at the trade deadline. So uh-huh. what it does, and I hate this, it gives the fans a sense of, Oh, they're really going for it. They're making moves. They're they're fighting for it. And what does it do? Nothing. What does it realistically do? Then we just get burned a year from now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, stick with the slow and steady progress. Slow and steady works. I mean, the Wings were in the playoffs for twenty five years. That should buy management 20, a lot. Twenty five or twenty six? Wasn't it twenty six? No, it was twenty five. I, I was counting. But either way, we made the playoffs for 25 straight years. I think that buys management some patience. And looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think it buys Steve Eiserman some patience. So I'm not in a rush to go out and buy or trade for some big-name defenseman when we have some pretty decent pieces in the pipeline right now. And we're still a couple steps away. We're getting closer, but we're still a couple steps away. What we are both building right now is sustainability. And adding Eichel or adding Seth Jones is the antithesis of stability. What it's, what we're doing then is high risk, high reward. And right now, I think that the Red Wings are doing a really good job of sustainable rebuilding, laying the foundation for maybe not an all-star dream cup team, but a competent contending team that you're going to be excited to watch for years to come. And that's what Mm -hmm. I'm hoping at least the Hawks get back to is like a team that's exciting to watch and in it every year. Mm -hmm. Um, David, what's your take? I mean, are you kind of in the same boat I'm in or like, yeah, I mean, we have enough guys in the pipeline. We have our cider, we have, and I don't want to give up what we'd have to give up for him. It. Like Seth Jones, I hope he goes to a team where he can win a cup. I hope he goes to that team. Mm-hmm. But that team's not Detroit and it's not Chicago. It's that's not the team that he's looking to go to. And no. it doesn't make sense to pick him up. Of course not. Um, we can transfer to the rest of the NHL because I mean, we're kind of in the final four of the playoffs right now. And I mentioned at the top of the show, but I don't think any of us saw Montreal or New York Islanders in this race. Um 
Vegas is playing against Montreal. The Tampa Bay Lightning are playing against the New York Islanders. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, I'll do another score check. Hold on. Please do. Current score check. Oh, it's over. Five nothing. Well, there's that. Uh, that said, that's one game. Yep. So it's going to be Tampa three to two, right? Yeah, because they're tied two yeah. So Tampa will be up going for the clincher next game. I mean, both of these, both the Islanders and Montreal are the general consensus is they shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like that's, that's the belief is like, oh, they shouldn't be there. Uh, that said that I, I, I would not count them out. Uh, they're teams that when their backs against the wall, they fight and they're hungry. They're clearly hungry. And it's not the first time that teams have knocked out better teams because of pure willpower and like playing their game and knowing their game. Uh, I, I would be shocked if Montreal makes it uh, through Vegas, but the Islanders, I think, have a legitimate possibility of beating the Lightning if they if they can neutralize them. Then it's just get I, enough shots through, and sooner or later you'll get one in. I honestly think the Montreal Vegas series is going to be a closer series than Tampa Islanders. I think really, Tampa, I think Tampa's going to win it, but the Canadians have really shown that they're the force to be reckoned with. I mean, they only lost the other night in overtime, two to one. Um, they won three to two in overtime. So they kept it close. Um, three to two. Like it's, it's a lot closer than I think the Tampa Islanders, whereas Tampa beats the Islanders by a few goals. The Islanders beat them by a few goals. Tonight we're seeing Tampa just utterly decimating them five nothing i think montreal could surprise us and hold their own and possibly win the series i mean i'm whoever wins the montreal vegas series that's why i want to win the cup if if tampa eliminates the islanders if tampa eliminates the islanders i don't want tampa going back to back that's 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 company that only a few teams in recent years hold with the penguins and with the wings um i I'm not a fan of the Penguins, so I was really mad when they did that. I was really hoping we could have done it 08 09. Um, but Batman had other plans, you know. <laughs> that said, I- I'm with you guys. I-, I think that whoever wins the Vegas Montreal series, that's who I'm pulling for for the cup. I don't want, I don't want Tampa to get it. And just because I don't, like I said, I don't like the back to back. And, you know, I like, yeah, well, no, 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 okay. Put, put words in my mouth there, <laughs> but no, I, I, I've been big on Vegas from the beginning and Montreal is just an exciting, it's got a miracle run kind of feel to it. The, the, the kids that nobody, they shouldn't be there. Even That's the Islanders like, all right, put together a team that people are like, yeah, okay. Like they've got all these different pieces. Uh, Montreal. And it's so silly because like they have, we're such a powerhouse for a long time, but now they're they're not. What you just said is like a team of like, I forget what you said, team of misfits, whatever. That's how I feel about Vegas. Like when Vegas was created, it was just the players that the teams were like, we are going to put you up and we don't really want you. We can afford to, we can afford to lose you. And 
that's what I loved about Vegas their first year is that they were a team of just players that were hungry. Like you didn't want us. We're going to show you why you shouldn't have gotten rid of us. And they came very close to winning the cup. Like they, I think they destroyed every team they play in the Western conference. Oh yeah, uh, they did. Yeah. They just hit the capitals at the wrong time. And I was just hoping they do that to the capitals too, because I don't like caps fans. Right. Exactly. The thing that I love about Vegas is I love how everyone is like sitting there looking at Vegas and like, oh, well, everyone knew this team was going to be good. Don't lie to yourself. Like nobody really was looking at Jonathan March or so and was like, oh, man, we just lost a superstar. Nobody was looking at half of that roster and going, man, we just good pieces. They got William Carlson. That's why it was so exciting watching them play. I'm just like, this team, this team's doing really well. And then they went to the playoffs and I'm like their first freaking season and they're in the playoffs. And then they were just killing people. And I'm like, I'm all aboard. I yep. love it. And the showmanship they had, like they well, had the golden Knight come out and like kill the whatever they, team. They, they put on having. a heck of a show. Like they leaned yeah. into what makes Vegas a spectacle. And they found a way to integrate that into hockey while making it not like hokey and cheesy, but like, just a phenomenal Vegas style spectacle. And I, I, I appreciate that. That's why they're a team. I enjoy like when they do well, like, yeah, I want the Kraken to do well, mainly because we're, we're squid bros. I'm yeah. Uh, no, I love that. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm pulling for, I'm pulling for Seattle. You know, I've seen people that are like, Oh, it's ridiculous that Vegas was able to put this team together and then they don't have to give up a player to Seattle without realizing that they also don't get a chunk of the money that Seattle put in the other teams do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was in their contract. Like, like you, like, like one of you mentioned hindsight's 2020, nobody went into this going, Oh, they're going to be able to field. They were able to field a team of NHL players, which is better than a lot of the expansion teams before got. Yeah, but, for sure. But if you're putting in, like a billion dollars, however much money they put into that thing to get the license and get it all off the ground, you should be able to at least put in NHL caliber guys, even if they're third, fourth line caliber guys, you should be able to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's unreasonable. You know what I've really enjoyed about like the about Montreal making their playoff run? I've really enjoyed watching Cole Caulfield and uh, who was it? Uh, Brendan Gallagher. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. I don't know why I never paid attention to Gallagher before, but he's really good. People, people slept on Gallagher a lot. Uh, I had him in fantasy and he's a phenomenal player. Like he doesn't get a lot of accolades or anything like that. But like, if you stop and actually look at his stats and look at the way he plays the game, he's someone that I think anybody would want on their team. I mean, who who's the other kid? Um, Kotkaniemi. Yeah, he's actually kind of impressed me a decent bit this playoffs as well. I, I think Kotkaniemi has taken a step forward. I think Nick Suzuki has really taken a step forward and ramped up his game as a young kid who's really displaying like who he is. Uh, and again, you've got old like I hate K- uh, Corey Perry. I hate Corey Perry. Uh, that said, I think he's a, playing a really great role on this team full of like kids and like 20 somethings. Mm-hmm. Like 
we kind of joke about you know veteran presence and intangibles, but it's a real Corey thing. Perry's bringing those, and he's bringing them fairly cheap to Montreal, which is that's the thing. We say yeah. you can't pay these fourth line guys four point two five million dollars like he did just an applicator, but Corey Perry's not making that kind of money, and he's still a competent NHLer. Yeah. It just. I don't know. I really have enjoyed the Vegas and Montreal series so far. And I love that they're letting Cole Caulfield do his thing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a small kid. He's undersized, but man, he's a wizard with like, he's able to snipe. He's able to put, you know, take shots from all different areas. He knows how to shoot the puck. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that they've let him, they've sort of taken the kid gloves off of him. And said, just listen, go out there and do your thing. And he's in the right position at the right time. He's making smart shots. Uh, I'm thrilled for him right now. Yep. Um, I don't think there's anything else on the NHL news topics to talk about. Um, The playoffs are the main thing because, again, we're not going to have any major news until the Seattle expansion draft is over, until the regular NHL draft is over. So... What is that? July 21st and 22nd, I think, are the dates for the Seattle draft and the expansion draft. So there's not really going to be a ton of news until those happen. But after that, it's going to be picking back up. I mean, as soon as the Seattle expansion draft is over, the next day is going to be transactions galore. Maybe even not just for like the Hawks and the Wings, but just league wide, there are going to be tons. There's going to be chaos, Welcome and back, I love Bobby it. Bobby Ryan. Welcome back, Bobby Ryan. So I'm, I'm hoping. For. Yeah, I hope you guys get Bobby Ryan back. But I yeah, that's him. kind of it for the show tonight. Because again, there's not really a ton to talk about. It's it's the playoffs, which neither of our teams are involved in, and then nothing because nothing's going on in the hockey world right now, except for players training during their quote unquote off season to get ready. So that's it. Um, If you're still with us, whether it be watching or listening, we appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. At the end of the day, this is a show that is by fans for fans. It's for you all. There is no sort of corporate sponsorship or anything like that. So we get to just sort of say what we want on the show. Um, If you enjoyed what you heard or watched, feel free to give us a like, follow, share, whatever the social media of currency is of choice on the platform that you get this or our podcast content through. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, Twitter, plenty of ways to get in touch with the podcast and give us sort of feedback, critiques, uh, topic discussion questions, whatever you want to give us. We love interacting with you guys every once in a while when we get the chance. So feel free to give it to us, give us any sort of like questions or feedback, content ideas, anything like that. We would love to engage with you guys. Um, A quick update. Our award show is potentially slated to be next weekend or next week. I should say we're going to try to put a little bit of a show together. Not a ton of stuff is going to happen after that, because at that point it's going to be the Stanley cup finals and that's it. We'll probably move to the every other week schedule at that point, assuming we have news to talk about. Um, that's really it, though. And that's going to be it for our show. Um, as always, thank you guys again for tuning in and watching and listening to the show. We appreciate it. And in the meantime, you all take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe and enjoy the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And let's just, you know, look forward to what's going to be happening in the future with both of these clubs. You guys take care.